We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to the DGD Podcast. As always, Robert Reynolds and Kobe Pierce did not talk about this for those watching, but 20 uh, would be the hashtag for today. Also, as DGD Pat says, uh, Gator Tears, uh, that might be the hashtag for the day as well. Uh, but first things first, busy, busy weekend in Athens again. Uh, you're looking at hosting guys like Jordan Thomas, uh, Chauncey Bowens, which we're going to talk about. And we'll also take some questions from the brigade as well. So get those questions loaded up. Uh, first things first, Kobe, how was your weekend, sir? It was great. Uh, celebrated my first wedding anniversary. Uh, was over in Birmingham with my wife. And, you know, really, really enjoyed the city. Um, got to see a lot of it. Swung by Hoover um, High School for a little bit. Got to see their football facility, um, their baseball facility, all that. Um you know, those that may not be familiar, Hoover High School in Alabama, real real powerhouse there um, for a long time in the 2000s and still today, you know, really good high school football program, really good athletics program in general. So um, that was fun, a little top golf, a little, little zoo visit. Um, all in all, a great weekend. Yeah, I think our uh, weekends were probably the exact polar opposites. Um, Spent Saturday, Saturday night in the hospital actually for the little one. So, you know, it's a lot, lot different there. Um, but now everything's good there for what it's worth now. So that's always good. So ended the weekend on a somewhat all right note. But uh, first things first, man. Let's go ahead and do this. It's always fun when the Gators' tears are flowing, and that is exactly what happened when Chauncey Bowens committed to Georgia over the weekend. Um, actually on his official visit, right? Yeah, you know, taking his official visit, uh, committed in person or, you know, committed in front of the uh, recruits and everything. I thought that was an awesome moment. But at the same time, when that hit social media, man, it was fun to, for any dog fan to just sit there and retweet that and, and send that to all your friends or, you know, people that you know that are Gators fans. Um, but also at the same time, you know, I think – Another thing that people have to understand here is this running back class. You've got Dwight Phillips. Now you've got Chauncey Bowens. Uh, there's a lot of smoke for a third running back. 
I think the thing, though, for me, Georgia needs three backs this cycle. Uh, before we jump into that, I do want to get your thoughts on the commitment. Uh, what were your thoughts on it? Yeah, and I'm gonna play. I'm gonna play both sides of the coin because I think that's always fair in comparisons. Um, you know, as a Georgia fan, you look at it. You've just stolen a running back, probably the top running back prospect from one of your biggest rivals in the Florida Gators. Um, you know, you're kind of still flowing right now under Kirby in that Alabama-esque space of you get who you want to an extent. You know, obviously, if it's a top 15 player in the class, in the country. Like, there's still a big battle, especially now in IL. But you start getting into the, like, 60s, 80s, 100s, you're getting guys like this um, pretty pretty regularly, pretty frequently. And then if I'm looking at it the other way, if I'm a Florida fan, I, you know, try to put yourself in, in the same shoes like them, you know, if when they were doing this to us kind of thing, it, it just really – take some of the air out of the boat for Billy. I mean, they had a, a lackluster season last year. You know, you go six and seven, have the number four overall pick at quarterback and kind of underachieve with him for sure. And now all of a sudden you got a lot of hype in this in this recruiting class for Billy. You got DJ Lagway that they're super high on five-star quarterback. You know, this guy was a corner piece of that class as well. They're kind of looking for their big receiver. You know, I saw they had – I know we all saw on Twitter too, they had Caleb Odom down. You know, Caleb Odom goes to take the recruiting picture, slips and falls, doesn't look good at that point. Like, that's a very dangerous activity to have a five-star tight end, four-star tight end, top five tight end, whatever you want to call him, doing. Um, but, you know, all of a sudden you're looking around. If you land him, you have the kind of class that could that could change the direction of a program. And it just has to feel like that's kind of slowly slipping away. And to me, that 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 bids poorly for for Billy and his long term um, tenure down there with the Gators. Before I, I want to preface this, <clears throat> I'm glad that Caleb Odom is okay because it just, whoever thought it was smart for someone to jump onto was it looks like like uh, plexiglass or some kind of glass with cleats on, <clears throat> it makes no sense. Like, I, I genuinely don't understand the logic behind that. But in all seriousness, it is the visual, <clears throat> excuse me, the visual representation of Florida recruiting right now. They have DJ Lagway, but the problem is, ain't nobody coming with them. Ain't nobody coming with them. And you know, if I'm a Georgia fan looking at that, and I'm going to criticize this, does that mean this kid is a five-star coming back? Uh, <laughs> Paul twice. Yeah, absolutely. Go ahead, roast me. I don't give a shit. But no, in all seriousness, though, man, like you have a five-star quarterback, and ain't nobody coming with him to Florida, right? What does that mean? Like this kid's a five-star quarterback, but ain't nobody coming to Florida with him. Is that more of a representation on Florida, or is that more of a representation on him? I think it's more on Florida. It's a hundred percent on Florida because I mean, I, I don't think you can say somebody like DJ Lagway can't get these guys to come show up. I think it's more you go, hey man, let's go to Florida this weekend, and they go, mm, you know, they're not really in my top five. 
I don't really see myself going there. I don't really want to go there. And then you always worry, like, they kind of left a bad taste in a lot of people's mouths when the NIL fiasco last year kind of fumbled late in the year. Um, you know, it, it that just always worries those big-time recruits that are worried about NIL money. It's like, okay, I can commit here. I can sign my letter of intent. And then when I get here, they're going to be like, eh, we're not really paying you the money we promised. Yeah, no doubt. That just, just makes for a messy, I mean, a messy thing. Well, like, like you, you also talked about it, right? Anthony Richardson gets drafted fourth overall, and from what it sounds like, and it, albeit it's the Colts, but it sounds like there, he's really shining in regards of accuracy and other things like this. What does that mean for, for really Mullen and Napier, right? Um, Exactly as as we see the the comment in the in the chat right there, <clears throat> that's a that's a mixture, uh, miss, you know. There, uh, man. Anyways, uh, anyway, I, I think <laughs> got me flustered a little bit, man. I am not elite right now. I'm having a moment, but no. In all seriousness, though, right? Like, as a Georgia fan, right? Chauncey Bowens was a position of need. Yeah, absolutely. Parks and Rec. Yeah, a hundred percent. Parks and Rec. Best blooper I think I've ever heard, by the way. Uh, if you don't know, this is why you need to watch the show live. Just yeah. going to leave that there. But, no, uh, going back to Bowens, right? So you get Bowens and a little bit more about Bowens. You're looking at, you know, 215-pound bruiser. With, and then you pair him with what you've already got in this class with Dwight Phillips. Dwight Phillips is world-class speed at a running back position, right? Then you get a 215-pound guy like Chauncey Bowens. I genuinely think, you know, if you get a third running back, we'll talk about a running back here in just a second, but you have a bruiser type and you have this balance now. But what's going to happen is our third running back that we're about to talk about, I think we're going to get, by the way, and we'll tell you why. I I think you're going to see three running backs. You need the depth because you're about to lose a lot in the running back room. That's what I was about to say. Tell the people at home – why you need three running backs because i i personally you know i'm 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 a fan i understand but three seems like a lot we don't take three at a lot of positions like that um normally yep we're at five scholarship running backs right now yeah um you know i think you're only projected to maybe and maybe you can preface this i only think you're projected to lose maybe one maybe you lose two you know, kind of, kind of give the people what what the outlook may look like next year if you end up taking three. Well, I, I think you have to look at it this way, right? Depending on this year, right? You you are you're probably going to lose Kendall Milton, and you could arguably lose Dejon Edwards. And I think both of those guys will have enough um, enough of a good season to to you know to go to the draft. So that's two right there. But then Kirby has always wanted five running backs. But when you pair that with the offseason that we just went through in the running back room, you get the three because, you know, you're looking at Branson Robinson, bruiser, Roderick Robinson, bruiser. You pair that with Dwight Phillips. Well, you got Andrew Paul. Andrew Paul as well. Don't You can't sleep on Andrew Paul. Uh, he's coming back off that ACL injury, so we'll see what's going on here. Uh, you know, and see what kind of season he has. 
But nonetheless, you pair that with three running backs right there, right? You're, you're providing that depth. Kirby has always had it in him to have five scholarship backs. But with how dinged up we have been, I think you might see him take six. And, and I think you start to see that trend there. Uh, maybe if it's just temporary, but I definitely think you get three running backs in this class. Um, was there anything that I missed there? No, I just like to hear. I think the people like to hear and I like to hear. You know, it, it just always is interesting when you talk about, um, you know, carrying an extra scholarship back because we've all come to love Cash Jones. I mean, I'm a believer. We're a believer on this podcast that Cash Jones could play at numerous Savon, division. Savon Clark. Savon Clark, same way. No doubt. I mean, both of them for sure, but, the, you know, the, no nothing against Savon. He dipped his toes in and came back. You know, obviously we were the best re-offer he probably had. Um, but it, it's one of those things that it's just interesting because it seems like your running back room is always super deep. I know Kirby doesn't want to run out there um, without a scholarship back if possible, but it also seems like you could fix that problem from within. All of a sudden, Cash Jones on scholarship, full scholarship. Yeah, no, I, I, so, I mean you you have to that. you have to prep for that too, right? Like. My question is this, right? With you, when you look at the quarterbacks that we're having in there, right? When you, whether it be Brock or Gunner, right, or Raiola when he commits, and him and Puglisi for that matter, when they come into Athens, you're not going to see a Stetson Bennett type necessarily, right? So, what you're going to need is is pocket protection and and running backs to to utilize the system, and also you have to understand. Todd Munkin utilized the tight ends and the receivers for what it's worth. But we also have Kenny McIntosh. You you utilize him in a different way than you will with any other back on our roster and potentially coming in this class. But you look at Dwight Phillips, and this is I think this is another thing. With Dwight Phillips, his speed, his breakaway speed, his, his you know, his elusiveness, things like that. I would like to assume that Mike Bobo utilizes him similar to what happened with Kenny McIntosh. Although I think, I think you look back to James Cook as well. I think you could see Dwight Phillips be, I mean, I think he's faster than James Cook. So with that being said, we see, we, we saw how James Cook was utilized. I would expect something similar from Dwight Phillips. And, and like I said, with Chauncey Bowens, that's another guy right there that to be able to, to just pound the rock when you need to. Uh, which kind of leads us into our third running back. You might be asking who, right? In my opinion, Nate Frazier, it, it will be the third running back. Um, and when you pair, when you have that guy right there, Nate Frazier is very balanced. I, I like to say that he's very balanced. He can do it. He can basically do it all. Uh, he's got the breakaway speed. He can catch out of the backfield. So you, now you look at you look at uh, Dwight Phillips with the pure speed, right? Receiving things like that. But you also have Chauncey Bowens as a bruiser. Uh, so it's like your thunder and lightning. And then you also bring in more even balance with Nate Frazier. And then you look at the 24 class in a running back room and just be like, well, Georgia loaded up in and in a really damn good way. So that that's my prediction for the three. But when you look at right Mike Bobo and the offense that we're trying to run, I, I think you need that, right? It's the it's the added depth. And what better way to what better way to fill your running back room than taking away from your biggest rival? 
and again, I think we've we've talked, you know, the teams have been fairly healthy the past few years. You know, our biggest injuries have kind of come at receiver lately. Um, you know, past past couple of years under Kirby, you've been pretty pretty healthy at the running back position um for the most most of the year. You know, Zamir and, and James when they were running in tandem, I think were pretty healthy almost the whole time. You know, um but like you're saying, this offseason kind of opens your eyes to, well, it it can happen. If you have somebody down on on four weeks of injury reserve and then all of a sudden your starter, you know, rolls his ankle really bad this week, all of a sudden you're on your third guy out of nowhere. Um, so I agree. We used to have, again, we've always talked about it, and we've done a good job even um, under Kirby. I mean, you think about like what everybody talk about the 2014 room, like Ty Gurley, Keith Marshall, Sony, and Nick. Yep. You know, there's no reason you can't have a stable of really good running backs here. Even um, even if you even if you even if your offense looks different in a sense of you might be more, you know, passing right. Like let's be honest, back in 2014 when you had that right there, the quarterback. I'm not going to name no names because I'm not trying to bash on anybody. Let's just say there was a reason why we ran the ball as much as we did. I mean, to be fair, you also had – I think you could have had Deshaun Watson on your team. And if you'd had if you'd handed me Ty Gurley, Keith Marshall, Nick Chubb, we'd probably been running that ball a little bit too, which is – Yeah, no, I mean – Yeah, I mean, that's that's for another that's for another story. But I think the reason for me, uh, Kobe, why it's so important and why I bring up Nate his, uh, and why I think he'll be in this class is – he, went, he visited Athens this weekend, but it wasn't an official visit. And coming out all that way on an, un, uh, on an unofficial visit speaks volumes with where you, you stand with that program, in my opinion, especially on, the, on that kind of magnitude of the weekend. You know, so what, what are your thoughts on that? Because, like I said, when his, with him coming on an unofficial visit all the way across the country, like I said, I feel like that speaks volumes. I mean, what, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, and for those listening, um, Robert's talking about, uh, and if you don't know, Nate Frazier running back at Matter Day, um, California. So long, long way to come on your own dime just to be here kind of thing. Um, but I think you're right. It does speak volumes. It speaks that, you know, he probably could have been at USC a lot easier. Um, he could have been at UCLA. He could have been. You know, we, we could name numerous places he could have been a lot easier than flying all the way to Athens. Um, especially especially unofficially, right? Like, Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah. So, you know, you could be a lot of – you could have been at Utah, trash. But you could have been a lot of places Absolutely this week. trash. Absolutely. Doing, doing unofficials on your own dime versus, you know, you book a plane ticket, drive yourself to the airport or have somebody drive you to the airport fly across country, find your own way from Atlanta to Athens. Like, people don't realize that. Like, then he's got to figure out how to get over here. Like, we're not picking him up. It's unofficial. Got to pay for your own hotel room here in Athens for the weekend. And then you do everything else. You got to even pay for your meals. Like, on an unofficial visit, like, there's a stipulation that, like, there's so much meal money that you have to pay forward to be able to eat with, like, the rest of the recruits. And then there are still things, like, you can't do certain meals with the coaches that you can't go on because it's an unofficial. So 
you really came to see the guys, to see the atmosphere, to kind of build that bond, not really to be, you know, champagned and well, champagne isn't the right word, obviously. But well, like, I didn't die. Yeah. Yeah. We're having our moments today, Kobe. It's okay. Champagne it's right. for 17 year olds, whatever. Athens. Yep. But no, in all seriousness, that's why I think that's that's why when you look at unofficial visits and especially one that significant, right? Like I said, a full cross country, right? Like plane tickets aren't cheap nowadays. You know, Athens room and board ain't cheap, right? Like that really adds up. So the fact that he spent his weekend in Athens unofficially is another reason why. I mean, and I know it's not everything. So please don't take this out of context, but. With, with the hype around and the name and the buzz, right? Like pair that with the unofficial visit. Like there's a good chance that, and like I said, I think I'm going to make my prediction for, for him to land in Georgia's class. Um, it's not everything, but you got to follow, you got to follow some common sense. And a lot of people do with recruiting. My man flew all the way here. Yeah. It, I mean, you know, I'm not saying like we're talking about, it's not the end all be all. I ain't saying that he couldn't still commit somewhere else, but he felt good enough about us two weeks ago to say, I'm going to fly to Georgia and see what they're all about. They have piqued my interest. You know, I'm going to be able to work out maybe in front of the coaches, whatever. I think he already had a scholarship offer, so he probably wouldn't have done that. But, you know, I mean, there, there's just a lot. It'd be like if one of our guys all of a sudden went on an unofficial across the country. That would raise some alarm bells. You know, not necessarily like decommitting alarm bells, but if you could talk somebody into flying across the country on unofficial, that that you have definitely you're probably in their top two, I would say. That yeah, no, I would think so too. Uh, speaking of, we haven't even hit our um, our first sponsor yet. Uh, but with that being said, you ready for this? Earlier, I saw this. DG DG Pat asked, my question is. How to get the elite shirt club like you two? Hashtag elite twins. Uh, if you're curious about this shirt, uh, look no further than our uh, first sponsor, Alumni Hall. Uh, DGDpodcast.com forward slash Alumni Hall. Alumni Hall is located in Athens, GA, 10 minutes away from Sanford Stadium. Give them a follow on Instagram, Twitter at Alumni Hall UGA. Listen, also DGD, uh, DGD at 23. Use that code. Uh, at checkout now until June 18th, and you can get 20% off your order. Whether you just want to get the shirt that you see me and uh, Swolders over here rocking, or you looking for a last-minute gift, that applies in-store and online. So DGD Dad 23 give them a shout-out. Let them know the DG Podcast sent you, and get your, get your dad or get yourself, spoil yourself if you're a dad, uh, just wanting to get something for Father's Day, if you know what I mean. Get you get you something, alumni hall, in store, online. Thank you for supporting the show, alumni hall. All right, <clears throat> let's switch it up, Kobe. Defense. There was a massive, massive name <clears throat> in Athens on the defensive side of the ball, and from what things are sounding like, Georgia knocked it out of the park, and that is Buford safety KJ Bolden. Uh, I, I listen. I know if you look at the recruiting class, you've got Peyton Woodyard, you've got Jalen Hayward. Tell me, and and Demello Jones, if you want to go there, I just think that KJ Bolden, if you land KJ Bolden at at safety as well, 
that secondary hall is going to be ridiculous. Uh, what are your what are your thoughts on uh, KJ after the visit? I think you live in a time where as long as you have Kirby Paul Smart and as long as you have the defense and the way we use DBs, the you know in in intricate ways, in numerous ways, um, I think you're going to get the DBs you want pretty regularly. There will be guys here and there that obviously. They're going to look at the depth and say, you know, Coach, I, I'm not going to be able to play till I'm a junior for you at some point. They're going to be the guys that uh, that that don't like that competition. But right now, you know, the biggest thing about K.J. Bolden that I'm excited about and you should be excited about as a Georgia fan is it'll be your first Buford guy in what feels like my entire lifetime. Um, you know, we're, aside we're, from Perlotti. I mean, aside from Perlotti. But he's a 2025 kid, so he's not here yet. I guess exactly. Exactly. Well, if you you get KJ Bolden to sign, seal, delivered here, he'll be the first Buford kid you've gotten in forever. I I can't help but feel like that you were in an unbelievably good place for um, Justice Haynes two years ago. He was a blessed Trinity. Yep. I mean, we were we were light years ahead of the next. So it seemed. So it seemed. And then he transfers for senior year from Blessed Trinity to Buford. I don't really understand. I wish Juan was here. Really don't understand how you can do that um, in the GHSA. But um, maybe his family moved closer to Buford. But um, and then it 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 just kind of fell through our fingers at that point. He he rolls into Buford. He's there with Caleb Downs, and you lose them both to Alabama. You look at this year, you know, you have K.J. Bolden and you have, was it, Edric Houston. Yep. Um, you know, Crystal Ball this past weekend to Ohio State, which is his only official visit left. So it looks like you're probably going to miss out on him too. So at that point, like, you've had four guys come through Buford High School in the last two years that have been top 40 recruits. And it's looking like you're going to land one of them. Which is good. I mean, don't get me wrong. Like, you're not going to land them all. But it would be nice, like you're saying, if you were if you were locking down Buford at a 50 to 60% clip, that for every, you know, 10 top 50 recruits that come through Buford, you're getting six of them. And right now you're not. You're getting one of them, maybe. Yeah. No, I think with, with KJ, what, what's interesting, though, to me is this. Uh, I feel like KJ, I feel like George is in the, in the driver's seat there for him. Uh, but when you look at it, right, this narrative that Georgia can't keep in-state talent, right? My thought, my thought is to, you know, to anyone that wants to believe that. And I'm not saying in-state talent. I'm specifically like drawing a little bubble around Buford and saying we have what Mark Rick, and I won't go into much, but like what the previous coaching staff did to Buford is still trying to be mended to this day by Kirby and the staff. Over seven, eight years later, back-to-back national championships, like, we are still trying to, like, mend our way back into Buford. And and this just shows you that relationships matter. And, you know, <clears throat> it's interesting because it, it can apply to anyone, not just Georgia, right? I mean, think of what happened with – I mean, we talked about Gator Tears, right? IMG 
right? Dan Mullen couldn't even step foot in there, basically, right? Now you get Billy Napier, and, and at least you get your foot in the door. So it's just interesting, like, schools and coaches see any at any point things can change with the uh, relationship of a school. And, you know, for the longest time, it felt like Bama was getting everybody. I mean, you look at other Buford guys, Jake Pope, Isaiah Bond, Downs, and, and Haynes, and now you look at Ohio State with Houston possibly. Um, you know, I, albeit, I, I think Houston would be a nice pickup, but, I mean, at 6'3", 250, I just don't know if he fits what we're looking for in regards to, like, where he would play. I, I just feel like we look for longer um, – just longer, lengthier types, right? If you look at Darius Smith and you look at, you know, Damon Wilson, all these guys, they're 6'5", six, 6'6", six, six, you know what I mean? So, you know, and Pimba's a, a, another one as well. Uh, Nine Mill Norm asks, what happened with Buford? No, we were just discussing, uh, you know, Georgia and trying to uh, establish uh pipeline. Uh, don't necessarily know if that's something that Kobe would want to uh, infer deeper with, um, but at the same I time. Mean- not necessarily pipeline. I mean, I don't think – I think you're never going to probably recover that much. But like you're saying, having – taking 50% of the talent out of Buford would be a great place to be. That that you may lose a guy to Ohio State or Alabama here or there, but, you know, it, it out of the past, you know, 10 guys, if you're getting five of them, and like we're saying right now, you're not. You're getting maybe one of them. Yeah. Like, uh, CJWG finally made her presence. Good morning from the uh, from the landfill, uh, also known as Utah. So, uh, just given that there. DGD Pat says before uh, before I forget, let's drop a congrats to Mr. and Mrs. Swolders on that one year. Yeah, absolutely. It's a big deal. That's a big deal. Uh, yeah, listen, a bunch of people tell me it was the hardest year, but I don't think a lot of people are married to med students because. Year two of medical school is supposed to be the hardest year of medical school. So we'll so see if one that's will fi- one, one will find out. Hopefully, hopefully wishing the best, but we, we shall see, I'm assuming. Uh, see, Tanil, good morning, champs. Absolutely. Got those two trophies. Um, you know, listen, I, I think another thing here, too, another name uh, I think Georgia fans might need to be really honed in on is Jordan Thomas. Uh, Jordan Thomas. If you're not familiar with him, I think he'll play a five tech here. I mean, six six two sixty seven is what on three has him uh, as out of New Jersey. Uh, and if you wonder why New Jersey, well, I think you look no further than Fran Brown and those relationships and recruiting ties. Um, yeah, so you look at right is Jordan Thomas. Is that the random crystal ball we got the other night that Twitter was kind of popping off about? Probably. Like, Who the heck is this guy? I mean, dude, you, like, this is the fun time to be a Georgia fan because you're just seeing Chris Balls everywhere, right? Um, you know, Jordan Thomas is one. I think, listen, I, honestly, like I said, if we think Edric Houston is going, right, if we feel like he's going uh, to, you know, Ohio State or whatever, I do think you need to hit five technique. Five technique was a big deal uh, hitting in this class considering what we got last year, right? We kind of went edge heavy, and you only pick up Jordan Hall and Jamal Jarrett uh, to bolster the interior. But also, when you look at the team, you're about to lose uh, Nazir Stackhouse, Zion Logue, right? You could possibly lose Tyrion Ingram Dawkins, uh, Tyrion Ingram Dawkins, depending on how the season goes. Uh, there's several guys that are about to be off this defensive line. You're already and down you've got Bear a, Alexander that you, yeah. and Sean Washington. Yeah, and so you're down um, Tramel Walthour as well. Yeah, so with, that's just six, seven names right there. So – in that part, right, I definitely think, you know, this cycle you're going to see a heavy emphasis on the D-line and more so interior. 
I think if the right person is there, you go for Edge. But when you have Mpemba, Damon Harris, and Ga- uh, Damon Wilson, excuse me, Damon Wilson, Gabe Harris, and Sam Mpemba from the last cycle, Edge for this cycle, I think you'll be okay with. But the interior offensive line, which is why you're seeing guys like Jordan Thomas, uh, you know, be involved and be heavily, you know, invested into what George is doing and why George is invested into him. Um, if you listen again, you look at the on three rankings composite is 112th in the country. Like I said, when you get a body at that size, right? Six again, six, six. I mentioned that earlier, right? Size six, six, almost 270. Right. That that's uh that's a massive individual. A massive individual. Uh, what are your let's see, what I mean, what are your thoughts on that in regards to the defensive line recruiting? I think it's one of those things that there's a reason Trey Scott's being paid a million dollars a year right now. I mean, you, you, you sit back and if you're a um if you're a Georgia fan, you can think about this with me a little bit. When Kirby Smart was hired in 2016, he was making like $3.25 million a year to be the head coach of the Georgia Bulldogs. Right now, you're paying numerous coaches, you know, 1.8, 1.5. I think Munkin last year was making a little over two. You know, mm-hmm. you got position coaches all making over a million dollars a year. And, and why? It's because of the guys they're getting. It's it's the guys they're developing. It's the guys they're producing. I mean, you look at you look at Coach Scott, and you look at the fact that Georgia hadn't had a defensive lineman drafted since like 2013 or 20 something, 2012. It, it was ridiculous, it was a long yeah. time. And and you looked at like Alabama, who was spitting out a first round draft pick at defensive line almost every year. You looked at Clemson, who was getting bullying you. Every defensive lineman recruit they wanted, Clemson was getting out of your own state, too. And Absolutely. You look, at, you look at the guys that you're getting in. You know, you look at the Jordan Davis, who's a three-star, that you've molded into a first-round talent. You get Jalen Carter, who was a really good player out of high school. I think he was still, like, the third or fourth defensive lineman in this class. You mold him into a first-round pick. And and then you start landing the bigger guys. Warren Brinson, who was, like, a top two or top three guy. You know, Tramel Walthour, Nazir Stackhouse. All these guys that – you're not really, you know, waiting a year. You're you got these guys that are reloading now, um, and and developing now. And like you said, you could see two to three defensive linemen drafted just this year from Georgia. Yeah, that's gonna be just ridiculous. Because you've got Stack. I think Stackhouse is seeing some late I've first round potential in the first round. Yeah. And the thing is, he hasn't really had, like, a significant – I mean, it's not like – like, if you think about Jalen Carter, right? Jalen Carter didn't start, but he played enough reps to know that, like, he's the best one out of all of them. And then it goes – you know, goes in the top ten. Like you're saying, put it this way. Two years ago, when we were playing as well as we were on the unbelievable defense, people already were saying that, you know – um. Jalen Carter wasn't getting a ton of reps, and he was the best defensive lineman on the team. Like people already knew, kind of thing. So, so I th- I feel like that's the not really the bias we're starting to get with the with the media as well. But they understand that like if you can play defensive line for the University of Georgia, um, 
you you can play defensive line in in the NFL at some point. So, Kobe, you asked a question to the brigade. Uh, it looks like DGD Pat comes in handy. Uh, JC Vega was a PWO from Buford in 2019. That was interesting. Let's see. He was a long snapper. He barely made it six months. So, oh, well, I mean, technically, right? Rules is rules. Yeah, I just asked follow up question. What I uh, see now that's going to be the catch right there. Yeah. I mean, I know you mentioned Isaac Nauta, but Isaac Nauta did go from Buford to um, IMG. I think, so. I think he's going to be the last one, though, in, in my head that I can think of. I mean, three years at Buford counts as Buford to me. No, I mean, I think the majority of your career there, I would say so. Fair enough. Yeah. I, you know, but at the same time, right, we talked about, right, Jordan Thomas and everything. And I think that's another name if you're a Georgia fan. I'm expecting him to be in this class. Um, I, I just feel that way as well. Um, and thank Fran Brown and those recruiting relationships in, um, in uh, you know, New Jersey, right? Uh, but if you think about it, right, we talked about the, the D-line class, right? We haven't even brought up these uh, a couple of names here. Keep in mind in a couple of weeks, folks, Joseph Jonah Ajanye will be in town. You've got Justin Scott um, that will be in town. Justin Williams, which is a linebacker, is going to be in town. All these guys have uh, serious Georgia interests. Uh, and I think if I had to say right now, I think Joseph Jonah Ajonye and Justin Williams, I think both end up in this class, right? But you're hosting them on unofficial visits uh, within the next couple of weeks, right? Still before the July starts. We, we thought these two. Are we What's picking up? up any traction um, for the man? Uh, I think he's a number three rec- recruit, maybe composite. Is it Nawiri? Waniri, um, yeah. I, th- I think I, I st- I'd, I'd like to think so. I just don't know if George is going to be in that position to to land him. Uh, you, you're fighting off, I think it's Oklahoma, if I'm not mistaken. Oklahoma yeah, is a serious threat. Oklahoma. Well, I mean, yeah. I mean, at the same time, though, I think, you know, Georgia put their front, uh, put their front forward in a good way there. Uh, I think you made some ground up there uh, on his official. At the end of the day, though, I still don't necessarily feel confident enough to say he's going to be in this class. But at the, you know, when you look at it, though, I mean, like, it's a position in need, right? The whole D line is a position in need. Uh, so things can, ha- you know, listen, things crazier things can happen. Uh, but I know, when, like I said, you look at, you know, Jordan Thomas, uh, you look at Joseph Jonah Jonye, right? Justin Scott potentially. There's a lot of names, that, you know, and and with all honesty, you look at the uh, scholarship position, like the scholarship count, spots are closing in fast. So I, I feel like at some point George is going to basically throw a race up and say, all right, you want on board, commit now and make your call, right? Because what's going to happen is you're going to have kids wanting to be in this class, but they waited too long. Um, And, and you know, I- it's the darker side of recruiting that we don't always like to talk about, but there are definitely people um, that you shouldn't be too attached to that are committed to the dogs right now. I feel like there are a couple names in this class that I think are, are, I mean, the chopping block sounds kind of bad, but it's about as good as I can tell you. I mean, there are people at risk that if we need a scholarship for a better player, I mean, it's common sense, right? Like mm-hmm. they become casual scholarship casualties, yeah. So, um, I mean, I know that we're not going to talk about it on the podcast or name names, 
But we've both heard a couple names floating around um, that, you know. Unfortunately, it's just the way of the world right now, right? Uh, Listen, once you're committed, listen, we we understand. At the same time, business is business sometimes, right? And it's just one of those unfortunate things you wish you could have everybody in the world, but, you know, you, you, you can't. Well, I hate to tell, I hate to say this, but like you, you're you're not Florida, you're not South Carolina, Vanderbilt, like you know, Georgia, Clemson, Ohio State, Michigan, you know, if if you're if you're slipping under that like 500, 600 overall recruit range, I mean, you know, are you really of caliber? Well, right here, I would say this. I I would say. You know, the way Kirby Smart and that coaching staff evaluate has changed because there's sometimes, and you think about it, you look at like A.D. Mitchell was a three-star, right? But there are some things that you look at that he has, right? This is like like elite length, right? Like you can't, like it's a one, it's like a, just what stands out, right? Like if you've got like speed or size, right? Or, I mean, for a lap, think about Lab McConkie, man, his, his, his space, like in tight space movement, you know what I mean? Like his footwork and stuff that right there separated himself enough to look, you know, to get a look at uh, closer with, with Kirby smart and that shit's paying off. Right. I just guess a lot of those guys though are products. Like when I really think about that class, like you're talking about, those are COVID products. Those are products of not being able to go to camp all summer the products of not being able to get them on campus, not being able to go to Rivals or 247 and get these huge recruiting bumps. Because, like, we both know A.D. Mitchell wasn't a three-star. Not even in high school should he have been a three-star. That's just a that's just a COVID error. Nor should my man Brock Bowers have been the number three or four tight end in the class. It, it just happened that I felt like that year, wherever you were ranked when COVID hit, you didn't see a big jump. I mean, you look at you look at Nitro Tuggle for us this year. He gets offered. People are like, mm, you know, why why are we offering this kid that's kind of way down these boards? I mean, not even a month later, he's winning MVPs at Rivals camps, MVPs left and right, and he makes a jump into like the top fifteen wide receivers in the class. Look at Yazid Haynes as well. Yeah. Uh, you know, but look, I think, you know, to your point, while they were COVID products, again, though, COVID changed the evaluation process for how Georgia evaluates. So it's good for Kirby and that coaching staff to adjust, find what works, right? And then go from there. Because, you know, while you have NICAR, while you have, uh, you know, Nitro Toggle, you got Sokovia White. I think Sokovia's another guy that people kind of kind of fell under the radar, right? Sokovi made that nasty – if you haven't seen it, go try to find it. Nasty one-handed pick six, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, that's just crazy shit you don't really see a lot, man. Like, that's, to me, the important thing right there. Um, you know, as, and as long as you're – because you're going to miss, right? You're going to take – you're going to look at these guys, and, and there's going to be – you're going to miss. But it doesn't matter if you're a five-star all the way down to a – right, to a walk-on. You're going to miss at some point, right? And you're and who you don't know. So the fact that COVID, the fact that, perfect example, the fact that you, yeah, I'm glad you did. Um, you know, the fact that you have like, you know, Kirby and the coaching staff evaluating in the way they do, they found the method that works for them, right? Because they know what needs to be for the system, 
they find it, they find big, they find fast, and they develop it. And to me, I feel like obviously the proof is in the pudding when it comes to success because you're a back-to-back national championship and you're the odds-on favorite for a three-peat. That, that speaks volumes, especially to kids, you know, in high school and the recruits. Because Kobe – Especially when Texas beats Alabama and Tuscaloosa. Might be already calling a shot. I like it. We're, we're going to have to figure that out for this. Listen, I just thought about this. You just brought that up, man. Week, week one, we're going to have a mid-off. Do you realize it's going to be – you're going to – you realize Utah, the trashiest fall trash, will go up against Florida? I don't even know if I want to pick that game. I'll tell you right now. Um, I'm going to ride with the Utes again this year, but dang it, if they let me down again, Robert, I will never utter the word Utah again in my life. I think we might have to censor that word if, if that comes down to a per Kirby's request. Uh, in all seriousness, I mean, like, I'm not going to get back onto Florida, right? Obviously, I want the tears to flow. Oh man, it's so fun to watch. It's so fun to watch them squander. They, dude, I remember over the weekend when that happened. They went down to what twenty first or twenty second. So like the word on this is like, what are they doing? Like what is going on? But the thing is, <clears throat> there's not really a lot of chatter that I've heard, especially when it comes to elite prospects that they're seriously in contention for. You see what I mean? Well. The, the thing is, and, and this just isn't against Florida either. This is just like the way college football is heading in this direction. And I think that it's something that, that Georgia fans can appreciate and understand is that you had a home run hire in Kirby Smart, obviously. But you changed coaches in a time where people were so mad you were changing to Mark Rick. People wanted Tom Herman. People wanted all these guys that to be the head coach. And they were like, we're going to give it to the hometown boy, play some good defense over at Alabama. He, he's won over there. He knows what it takes. Um, and then he comes over, and you really give yourself a head start when you think about it. You, you kind of take that first year, punch to the face. Um, the SEC East was, was not phenomenal that year. You know, Tennessee probably is your best team. Um, kind of take that punch to the face, go 8-5, and five, win a Liberty Bowl. Next year you come back, you know, you you have your rising star quarterback get hurt. You have a freshman step in. You have a very senior-led team. And you and you really kind of change the, the program from there. Basically, at that point, you win 13 games that year. You win 11 games the next year, something like that. And then you win 12 my senior year, I think. And then, obviously, COVID doesn't count. Like, you only played – nine, ten games, you won eight of them. Um, and then pretty much ever since then, you're, what, 29-1, and one, something like that. So when you really look at at that time, Florida has gone through three head coaches that I know of. South Carolina's, I think, on their second or third um, that I that I know of. Yeah, um, no, they had – yeah, they had – I mean, they had Muschamp and then Shane Beamer, so that might be two. Okay. Yeah. Perfect. Um, Tennessee's on their third. You're just kind of rolling through these people. And it's like, you know, the, you, you can't have program stability if you're constantly changing head coaches. I mean, you look at the some of the best programs in the country right now. You know, Nick Saban is established. Kirby Smart is established. 
Ryan Day inherited a very established program and hasn't done enough to unestablish it, basically. Maintained it at worst. Yeah. Harbaugh's done it the hard way and built it from the bottom up. You know, been called to be fired numerous times, but finally I think is in really good graces, really good graces with the state of Michigan. And then my man at USC is paying dollar signs, and who doesn't like those? So. Yeah. I think it'll be interesting to note, right, like when, when we look back, though, right, to kind of uh, to wrap this thing up, right, I think it'll be interesting here to see uh, how this class comes about because these official visits, um, you know, they last. Right? They have a meaningful impression. Um, you know, you look at Mike Matthews was here as well, right? That's a name that we didn't mention. I, I feel like uh, after this weekend, I, I still do, I just don't – I don't feel confident. With Did Mike I see Matthews he was at all. Clemson too this weekend? Did he double dip? No. Uh, you're thinking you're thinking about he made an official visit post from his official last weekend. Gotcha. Which surprisingly, like this is why I feel un, like not confident whatsoever. Um, basically, and take it for what it's worth, I'm not gonna do this, but people will. Uh, you know, he's he's in Athens, but posts a Clemson official visit, basically, a video, right? To me, that just tells me that, you know, to me, I, I just don't feel confident by, at all saying that he'll be in this class. Just don't. Just don't. Uh, you know, it's not something you typically see if you're seriously interested in a school. All I got to say is you best be careful who you make mad. Because, you know, you know what happens if you make somebody mad. Yeah, I think Kirby hunts these people out, man. Uh you get that you get that Luther Burden treatment up in Mizzou. Well, you also got to be careful too. I mean, what was it? Uh, like Travis Hunter. I mean, he he scared on to Colorado, but like, like I, I feel like I mean, I want to get your thoughts on this, and we'll kind of wrap it up after this. The kids that throw the hats, right? Like, I know Quay Walker, right? Did the hat toss? Probably the best hat toss I've ever seen, right? Most infamous. But then you have kids throwing the Georgia flag right, or the Georgia hats and stuff. I, to be non-hypocritical, right? It happens, right? But it's it's still it's still not a good look, right? Whether you throw a Tennessee hat or whatever, it's fun to poke and prod for us. But ultimately, like you said, if if you see that, some coaches don't really let it bother them, right? I think if you look at Georgia, that might be the case. But like, there's certain schools that those relationships can get broken easily if you're not careful with. Yeah, what are you? So I know you kind of mentioned it, but like, why does that matter? Like, why does why does breaking those relationships just let let the folks know? Well, I mean, you look at Smoke Bowie, um, really out of Bainbridge, out of Kirby's home home city. Uh, DB was like a top, I don't know, fifty recruit. I don't remember what Smoke ended up being, like number one or number two athlete, something like that. Yeah, um, it was part of that historic. NIL all rigged Texas A&M class where they the coaches just really got out there and just really did their due diligence um, and didn't pay anybody. But he goes out there, kind of surprising, kid from Bainbridge. Um, you know, what the heck are you doing out in Texas? You know, how's you not be you're not able to go see mom? You're not able to go see you know uncle grandma dad whatever you're you're out in texas that's a that's a long flight home that all of a sudden 
when you're out there, Texas A&M isn't necessarily helping you with like they were when you were a recruit. Um, but I think all along, him and Kirby had a really good relationship during his recruitment. Obviously, at one point, was committed to us. You know, I think made it clear to Kirby in a in a very per, like in a professional way. I mean, it was seventeen, eighteen, but in a way that like it was a better decision for him at the time. I think Kirby accepted that. He went to Texas A&M for a year. Obviously, you know, homesick, whatever you want to call it, could see the writing on the wall, hits the portal, and it's like, boom, we offer almost immediately. That that just speaks speaks a lot to a recruit, to a relationship, and to your ability. Because, like, if a team like us is recruiting you or offering you almost immediately out of the portal, it just means that we think you can help today. I mean, that's, and that's how I feel with him. And when you toss a hat, I agree. I don't think a ton of coaches get too upset about the hat toss. I mean, I think a lot of that is the um, the theatrics of recruiting. But, you know, it, it's definitely important to keep a good relationship because you never know when all of a sudden Jimbo's fired and you're looking for a new home or when – you're hurt and need a new home or you're not making it, you know, there's there's a ton of different things in college football today with, between the portal and, you know, coaching carousel that you need to be able to have like three or four places to go if, if need be. Yeah, I mean, it's just, you know, obviously if there's any high school athletes, just keep in mind, man, like, you don't want to burn bridges, right? So doing it respectfully is always going to be the smartest business decision. But at the same time, if you're trying to get some clout, right? Like I think it's easy to say that, like, Quay Walker became infamous and became a DGD just off the hat toss alone, right? Like, you got to pick and choose, if you will. Um, apparently, JWG is well behind. Um, pick Utah wins the game. This is weeks ahead of time. Uh, but honestly – what better way to talk about than to, uh, to get ready to wrap up the show than with our countdown? 82 more days until Georgia football steps onto Sanford or steps into Sanford Stadium on a Dooley field and tees it up against UT Martin nighttime. Uh, but remember, we're, we're doing this countdown. What was that? So was that 74, though, until actual college football? Something like that. I think so. It's like a week before or something like that. Yeah, week something about right. The infamous week zero. Absolutely. Why not uh, call it week one? Yeah, it don't make no damn sense. So, sounds like sounds like a five-year-old decided to talk and do math. Uh, but now the second sponsor for the show, final sponsor wrapping up, uh, Apatio's Roastery, uh, Kennesaw, Georgia, folks. Uh, the official coffee and cold brew partner of the Classic City Collective. Uh, they are sponsoring our Classic City Countdown. So from now until game day, head over to dgdpodcast.com forward slash Apatheos. And use uh, code COUNTDOWN on days that the DGD Podcast uh, posts our countdown graphics. Use code, and, that, and that'll get you 5% off your order or 30% off if you use code DGD uh, when the Spike Squad posts graphics for the countdown. Uh, check them out. Best coffee I've ever had. Um, Self-testimony. Uh, just going to leave that there. Uh, Classic City Collective Dark Roast uh, is my favorite. Uh, let us know if you've had it. What's your favorite in the chat in the comments or whatever. Uh, but also, like I said, just shout out to Apotheos there for sponsoring our classic city countdown. 
Yeah. Kobe, you've actually you've dealt into it as well with some K-Cups, man. What are your thoughts on the K-Cups? I really enjoy them. Um, you know, obviously, depending on, you know, your household, how many coffee drinkers you have, um, kind of what your schedules are. Like, obviously, my wife and I are on very different morning schedules when she is here. Um, obviously, she's not right now. But I'm a cup. I'm a cup drinker. I drink one cup. That's it for the day. Um, she tries to be at, at about that same level. I don't think there are many days she has two cups. But, um, you know, it just doesn't make any sense for us to make a pot of coffee um, in the mornings. She's up and gone so early um, before I am that it just really does make it a lot easier to have the ability to pop in a K-cup, have it hot and fresh right there, ready to go, um, you know, tastes great. And just really gets your morning started off on the right foot. Gets you a little kick of caffeine. It's not bitter. You know, me and you, people on this podcast know that I was not a coffee drinker. And now I wouldn't say I'm a religious coffee drinker. Um, but you're I don't have type. a cup. It's going to be some apotheos in the morning. Yeah, you're 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 definitely not on the level of Tate Rattledge. Yeah, no. But you're kind of seeing the same boat as uh, Ryland Gody. For those that don't know, we had uh, Tate and Ryland on the show a while back. Uh, and it got brought up and and kind of the same situation. Ryland was a non-coffee drinker that turned to be a coffee drinker. Tate just drinks it like it's, I don't even know, like it's just like, you know, a diesel truck needing gas, right, basically is how I look at it. Uh, J-O-double-G uh, used some Nicaraguan single origin in her espresso machine last night. It was good. Yeah. Now, I haven't had a bad batch of coffee um, from there. So, again, I, we're not going to – obviously, this is a Georgia – football podcast not a coffee podcast but uh listen do yourself a favor and try out apotheos and if it means doing the uh dgd code to get it 30 percent off hey we support you and thank you for supporting us and apotheos at the same time with that being said kobe any final words before we wrap this thing up my man nope just uh if you Six o'clock and eight o'clock tonight, I think, are the final two games of the Super Regionals for the College Baseball World Series. Speaking of, that was interesting. Um, I think my final words is this. Um, sucks to suck, Gator fans. Sucks to suck. We're going to wrap that up, though. Uh, with that being said, we'll catch you all next time. Have a great day. Uh, make sure to like, follow, subscribe, and go dogs. Go dogs.